Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Han Talks First. This is the podcast you're looking for. This is not a regular scheduled program. This is, however, a bonus. I guess you could call it an episode, but we're kind of just going to be hanging out, chatting a little bit, talking about the Luke Skywalker episode of Disney Plus's gallery, where they discussed the finale of The Mandalorian season two. So just going to kind of be talking about that a little bit today and sharing my thoughts. I thought it was a great addition to this docu-series that they're doing for Disney+. Plus. Of course, it was something that was excluded from the gallery series that released after season two. And looks like they were just saving it for their own individual episode. And I'm glad that they did because we got an extra 45 minutes of it. And we got to uh, experience a lot of cool behind the scenes. So I guess to kind of start off, I, I wanted to actually talk about something else real quick because there was some other Star Wars news that kind of broke today. Uh, not really breaking news to say, but it was something that we had talked about on Sunday that would happen today. Of course, the game convention was today. I forget what it's called, some kind of gaming convention, but they announced some new details on Star Wars the Skywalker Saga video game. And we got a new trailer. We got a trailer today and it was great. It was very great, and it made me really excited. It showed iconic scenes from each of the nine films and uh, some additional stuff that wasn't included in the movies that will be featured in the game as exclusives only. So I'm excited. And uh, another great thing about the game is we got a release date. (laughs) Granted, it's a third release date since it was first announced, but we have a release date, spring of 2022. So it's about a year away. I'm still excited. I can't wait. I think this is going to be great. I do have one gripe, one complaint, one qualm, and that is the backgrounds of the game. You know, it's Lego themselves have been saying for the longest time that this is the most ambitious game that they're trying to make. And it's going to be the biggest and best game they've ever made. Again, quoted by them on their Twitter just a couple days ago. And Watching the trailer, it was... Now, this could be because it's not finished yet. And the animation isn't fully complete yet. But it didn't look as three-dimensional or as in-depth, like depth uh, perceptive that I would have hoped for. And what I mean by that is it looks like the characters in the forefront are standing in front of a green screen. Now, it's all animation, so it's hypothetical. But it just looked... It didn't look fully rendered or detailed or as... Uh, depth of field as i had hoped i could just be looking way too much into it but they just look like matte paintings in the background very flat uh not much layer to them and again this could be just because they're still editing the game they're still rendering the graphics so but that's the only thing that's literally it i think it's going to be great i love lego and what they do with star wars i love the humor in them my other gripe about just the trailer and not the game itself was the music. I don't think the music fit. You know, it was very it was very emotional, uplifting type music. And there was a lot of jokes in the trailer. And I just think they kind of clashed with each other and didn't really make sense. So that's my two cents. But we have this to look forward to coming spring of next year. Lego, the Star Wars, Skywalker Saga, biggest, baddest video game ever. So get ready, my friends. Uh, If you're watching live, welcome. Didn't really put much promotion into this show. 
like I said, it's not really a show today. It's just kind of like a, a little bonus talk. Um, but I will put this up on the audio podcast for everyone to listen to as well. But if you're watching live, hello, welcome. Good to have you here. So the thing with the Mandalorian, the season two finale, and this, I took notes. I don't have many notes, but I took some notes I'm going to share with you in my Star Wars notepad. But the first thing I wanted to mention was, you know, in this in this episode of the gallery documentary, it was it almost felt like a mini documentary about the dangers of technology. <laughs> and because it kind of got a little preachy at the end. And it was like, we need to make blockchains in our tech so that all the big companies can come together and save us from the dangers of the future. We don't know what's going to become of technology. It was like, what does this have to do with Star Wars? Like, I get it. It, You're using the tech, you're building the tech, you you know, communication between different companies and rather than just accelerating growth and competition. Uh, Yeah, it totally took a turn. It was very, it was very strange. But overall, I do think it was a little long. I feel like they drug it out just a little bit uh, with things like that. And then also with the fact that towards the end, it just kind of turned into like uh, just some extra footage of people talking. It, it didn't have that documentary feel. Don't get me wrong. I loved listening to this stuff and talking about it. So it's all good. But basically starting off, you know, this this episode kicks off with John Favreau talking about the episode and talking about how overall doing the Mandalorian creating creating the show not just luke skywalker but the entire series is just about talking about how he had to do it right and service the fans and he feels like one thing he felt most responsible for as a creator in the star wars playground was being true to the lore and taking care of the story and making sure that the fans felt satisfied now there was parts of this opening monologue that i kind of felt was maybe he was trying to say something about the sequels and I'm not just talking about the last Jedi. I'm talking about all of the sequels, including rogue one, including solo. I feel like he was kind of poking jabs at them with things like Han Solo. And of course the last Jedi, you know, taking characters and kind of changing it up a little bit, which I'm not saying is bad, but there was definitely a divide at the time. And I feel like he's trying to address the divide in the fandom, which I found kind of interesting. Um, So I just wanted to kind of point that out as well. And, you know, there's another thing that some people are talking about on Twitter and it bugs me a little bit. It's like every time something new Star Wars related comes out, people like to address the opposing side of the fandom that they are they're on and just point out why they're wrong or why they're stupid. And it's like this this episode of the gallery had nothing to do with fandom except for that one opening line, but that was made. And people are saying the, the people who hated the last Jedi and who hate La- Kathleen Kennedy should now realize that Kathleen Kennedy is responsible because Favreau said he likes her. And Dave said, it's like, what? That has nothing to do with what just be quiet. Right? So I will not be talking about any of that today. No, sir. No, ma'am. I will not be addressing any of that. I'm just going to talk about the episode and what the creators had to say. But Peyton Reed, Peyton Reed really was the person I was most looking forward to hearing what they had to say about the making of this finale, because I think he did an amazing job. I think he's an amazing director 
And just to see what he did and how he was able to pull off this finale blows my mind. I don't think he's one of the greatest directors of all time, but what he did with this finale is truly special. I mean, if we look at, well, I don't have a picture for that, but I do have a little picture of Mark Hamill and Grogu that I can share, which is very, very strangely similar to the picture of George Lucas with Grogu. They're almost making the exact same pose. It's kind of creepy. So anyway, um, but Peyton Reed, he he stressed most important about this episode and taking on this challenge was the responsibility to do it right, to keep it a secret for one and not tell anybody, but to also make sure it was done in the way as if George Lucas had done it and what would make most sense for this character at this time period. And I think he did a great job. They also revealed that this was shot in December of 2019. Or at least that's when they started conception for it. They started test footage with Mark Hamill and with the baby pup, baby Grogu puppet, which is, uh, if you're watching the video, I put up on screen here. So they actually did this a long time ago. And uh, considering when the, the Mandalorian ending came out about a year later, it's even more impressive that they were able to keep it a secret. And they went into depth about how they were able to manage secrecy which we'll talk about a little later, but that was something that was um, very interesting as well. And I have a note here that says something about, what did I write? Experience with, oh, de-aging. So Peyton Reed was talking about how he had experience with de-aging in the past, uh, which we all know because he did Ant-Man. In both the Ant-Man movies, there was de-aging technology being used. So it makes me wonder if that was one of the reasons why he was chosen to do this episode. But part of that doesn't make sense because they also revealed that when they brought on Peyton Reed and when they already started shooting the Mandalorian season two, Mark Hamill had not been confirmed to show up yet. So that blows my mind too. It's like, what would that have been like if he said no, if he passed on the idea, would it have been Plo Koon, which was the, the quote, stand-in character in the script format but would it have been someone else or would it have just been luke but a different character uh, speaking of plo Koon, if you've watched the gallery already you know that plo Koon was in the script and in the concept art and they used him as kind of like a what is it called a scapegoat uh, a red rabbit a uh, white rabbit sorry to distract people from releasing the real spoiler and they revealed what they did during the dailies, daily shots, was they put a Plo Koon face on top of Luke Skywalker. And it is one of the most disturbing images I have ever seen. <laughs> it is so creepy. It, it terrified me, I will say. That's the stuff that haunts your nightmares. There was another thing mentioned about Plo Koon, which I, I felt a little exiled from, is when Dave Filoni was talking, he was saying, Only the deep hardcore fans are gonna know this that's a terrible dave filoni impersonation anyway he was like only the true deep dive hardcore fans will get will understand that plo Koon is my favorite character and i was kind of like i didn't know that <laughs> am i not a true star wars fan dave dave filoni i feel so exiled anyway i thought that was funny so Anyway, Peyton Reed was talking about how, you know, they were definitely debating on how they were going to do this de-aging of Luke Skywalker. 
And they, John Favreau explained that they went to three different routes that they could take approaching the situation. One of which was a, a completely CGI face, which is what they did with Tarkin in Rogue One. Another one was just de-aging Mark Hamill on stage with an airbrush going through frame by frame, matching the frames, and then stylizing it and editing it color correction afterwards. And then the third option was deepfake. They obviously chose the deep fake route, but they didn't explain why they they canceled out the other two. Uh, because personally, I honestly think it would have been better if they did a CG character. I think a lot of you have just turned off the podcast by now, but <laughs> the reason why is because Tarkin was so good. Now that was like, what, four or five years ago that they did that? Five years ago. And think about how much the tech has grown since. I'm sure they could have made it look really, really good by now, especially considering they have more archival footage of Mark Hamill than they did of, oh, what is his name? Who's the guy that plays Moff Gideon? I mean, uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. Oh, my God. I cannot remember. Anyway, that um, is what I thought would have been a greater route. But anyway, so they chose to go the deep break route. Uh, before I keep going through my notes here and talk about the show, uh, you know, if any of you here have thoughts about the show or the series or anything and you want to share, just uh, comment below. I'm going to head over and start taking a look at the chat and see who is here, who is here. Um, I know Max uh, was, <laughs> hello, Max. Max uh, sent me a message on Twitter and was like, dude, it's 3 a.m. in Austria. Uh, it'll be 4 a.m. by the time you go live. I don't think I can make it. So uh, I don't blame you if you have to leave, Max. But thanks for stopping by. It's good to see you, buddy. Uh, and it looks like you only watched the first 10 minutes. So that's okay. Hey, Robin. Hello there. I love how I just get a bunch of hello there's in the chat. Every time people come, that's great. And Darth Chaco. What's up, my friend? It's good to see you, too. Uh, it was a great special. And uh, I enjoyed watching you earlier. I'm sorry I had to leave your stream but it was because i had to watch the uh uh what is it the gallery i had to watch the gallery and uh, i was behind um but uh yeah so it's good to see you too um max is that well i'm happy that john favreau said good things about kathy because i really like everything disney star wars i've seen that's a good mentality to have max i um there's a lot of people in your position um I like a lot that they've done too. Um, the things I don't like are kind of just nitpick, but I do think overall they're doing a a decent job handling Star Wars. Tomorrow, Mike Zero will make a new video about Lucasfilm Civil War. He always will. They handled it with so much care. I think that was the main takeaway for me as well, is they, they put in so much thought into how how they were going to pull this off from as simple as how luke skywalker would crush a dark trooper with his hand right they were debating should they just push him down should it do a closed fist and then push or what and they he, what was great was peyton also asked the actor what he wanted to do what he felt was right and the collaborativeness of these mandalorian episodes are just so incredible and it it really looks like a great set to be on. And even also considering the fact that they did this episode, this Luke Skywalker scene in one day is incredible to me as well. Because 
uh, look, my my job right now is I'm on set every day, and I know that it's you know it's sometimes it's extremely stressful to, stressful to be there, and but every time I see behind the scenes of the Mandalorian or Star Wars in general, it's so relaxed, it's so relaxed, and and it's so collaborative. There's no power moves, there's no one like ordering people what to do in in a negative sense. Um, but hey, it was great, and yes, they handled it with excellent care. The Plo Koon photo is just great. <laughs> it freaks me out, this Plo Koon thing. I, I can't get over it. Um, but the most interesting thing about the Plo Koon element was that they actually went so far as to create concept art with Plo Koon in the hallway rather than Luke Skywalker. And it just goes to show how much they really wanted to keep it a secret too. And, you know, to avoid spoilers and just to treat it with care, as Darth Chaka was saying. And Doug Chang was seen in some of the behind the scenes as well uh, i think this is his art actually a locoon and he's just a great artist and it really makes me happy to see that too i would love some mandalorian artwork like official artwork that i can hang out hang in my room somewhere i think that'd be awesome um where where did i leave off the plo concept is awesome peter cushing thank you peter cushing thanks Darth taco peter cushing is the name of the actor um but yeah look they they did great with the the deep fake technology regardless you know one thing that one thing that a lot of people said when this episode released was i don't care how crappy luke's digital face looked i still like the the story i said that myself i was like that ending was great it's my favorite episode of the mandalorian i don't care that the cgi was wonky I think wonky was a term that a lot of people used after seeing that finale episode. Understandably so. I mean, there is some parts of it that is literal wonk because it shakes a little bit every time the character moves. And a part of that is because they were developing this deep fake algorithm technology while shooting, while the the tech is hot and while the trend is popular. And also because they're working with old footage, of course, too. Old footage of young uh, Mark Hamill. But uh, I think also that it could have been done a little bit better, um, which I'll get into in a second. I kind of forgot where my point was there. But anyway, so we, we found out who the guy is that actually did the physical labor on the face of Luke Skywalker. His name is Landis Fields. Is that right? Landis? Landis Fields. That's the actual guy who did the work on Luke's face. Um, did, we didn't know his name uh, for a little while there, but I'm glad we do now. And of course, they just hired Shmook. Shamook? Shamu? Shamu? Whatever the guy, the YouTuber's name is that did the re-deep fake. He's now hired by Lucasfilm. They'll probably be working together going forward, but... Um, Landis is the guy who did the face. I think he did a fantastic job. Um, like they said, they used archive footage from the 4K restorations of the original trilogy from interviews with Mark Hamill. And they also incorporated that with the real-time footage of Mark Hamill on set. And they used this new tech that we hadn't seen before called the Egg, which is a rig of LC LCD lights, LED lights in a in a volume like format that just can project the uh, I guess like the setting of where whatever the scene takes place in 
And that was really cool to see as well. We've seen stuff like that before on other productions. Uh, there was something recent that they did that with. I cannot remember the name, but the egg is definitely unique to uh, this, this Star Wars episode. And another thing that's great about the tech they use for the Mandalorian is it is copyrighted. It's copyrighted by Disney themselves. The volume, the stagecraft technology, is actually a Disney-owned product. So you, it actually won't be used in any other production outside of Disney, which is kind of interesting to see. Um, but it's also getting more and more advanced every day, and people are making their own versions and things like that. So it's really cool. And I see um, Chaco made a comment about the egg here. He said the egg and the volume together continues the Star Wars of pushing the boundaries of tech in these films. And it does. And that's one of the things that was important for John Favreau going forward with this as well. And like I said at the top of the show, this this episode of the gallery kind of turned into a, a mini documentary of the dangers of the future of technology, which was kind of funny. Um, but what was, yes, they technology improvements and uh, additions to Star Wars was an important factor for them making this this series. But what stood out the most was that the story came first. And they had planned to have Luke Skywalker be the Jedi that was going to save Grogu at the end and save the team. And what I found was interesting was it was written that way, but they didn't have Mark Hamill on board yet. And if it wasn't going to be Mark Hamill, if for some reason he said no, would it have been Plo Koon? Would it have been somebody else? I don't think so. I think it would have remained to be Luke Skywalker. But the question of Mark Hamill's face comes into play. Like, would would he have to give up his rights for uh, likeness to be in that last episode? I, I'm not sure how all that works, but that's something interesting as well. Um, Dave Filoni, talking about some of the things he said, like I tweeted last week, anytime Dave Filoni talks, it's just automatically entertaining to me. Um, but he, one thing he mentioned was, you know, the VFX that were done on this episode were actually done extremely late in the process. It actually began when the first episode of season two aired on Disney Plus. So they put in a lot of post-production work into the overall season. But the fact that they started this this deep fake tech so so close to its premiere it shows how much you know they effort they put into the secrecy of it all but it also shows how great these people can create things in such a limited amount of time and considering the work that we got the final result i think they did an excellent job now this might be a reason a, a contributing factor as to why some people thought it looked wonky or why it is wonky if that's what you believe the the actual face itself they they had uh about eight weeks eight or nine weeks right if if this is true they started um the editing process on the face uh day one that it it was released um so that's interesting too i have a, i have a weird note here uh it was made by abigail the vfx producer so if you don't remember her she was the blonde lady in this episode of the gallery I, I wrote down a note of something funny she said. Uh, at one point, she was like, "We had to figure out what makes Luke Luke. What what sounds 
what did she say? What did she say? Oh, she was like, we have to figure out what makes Luke Luke. We have to figure out what looks Luke Luke. And she just kept saying Luke Luke, Luke Luke. I just thought that was funny. Again, a terrible note by a terrible podcast host. Um, the last couple things I want to mention is number one, the music. The music um, we really deep dived into on the standalone episode talking about the season finale. But one thing that they, John Favreau mentioned was that the music once Luke Skywalker comes on screen and R2-D2 plays the Force theme or Luke's theme as some people would call it. And that is the first time in the Mandalorian series that we hear John Williams' music. Everything up till that point has been original music. And I didn't think about that before. And I should have thought about that because I spend so much time listening to that music when I'm watching these shows. And that in itself contributes so much to why this ending was so special. And it goes into like a, a, a more of a psychological effect because it's something we cannot see on screen. And the, the stuff we do see, of course, is Luke Hamill, uh, R2-D2 rolling out on screen. It, it does stuff to our senses that makes us really feel and connect with that ending and why it was so great. But the music, having it play John Williams' music the first time in that finale makes us connect all the way back to the original trilogy. And it sells the effect that that is Mark Hamill, that that is Luke Skywalker. It's like a very deep subconscious level of, of psychic manipulation in the best way possible is tricking the senses to think, to make you believe that this is Luke Skywalker. And I thought that was magical. I thought that was great. If, if that had been planned out from the beginning, these people are geniuses. They're geniuses regardless, but uh, the way this was done was absolutely brilliant. And I think this actually Luke Skywalker coming into the Mandalorian was set in stone years ago because of something John Favreau had said. He had said towards the middle of the episode that when they were thinking about bringing Luke in, they actually talked to Mark Hamill and showed him some footage from uh, season one. And that helped convince him to want to be a part of the show. I don't know. That could be something else completely. But I think that was actually for him voicing a, um, the bartender in season one. So I think disregard that, what I just said. Um, Chaco says Quinlan Voss. I, I assume that is for like who the alternate Jedi could be. I guess that, that would have been cool too. I mean, honestly, anybody would have been cool. The fact that it was Luke just makes it even better. Um. Max is still awake. It's like 4.30 in the morning over there, buddy. I think Ludwig van Gorsen. I think this is his name. Yes, it is. Van Gorsen. Uh, made great music for Mando, but of course, John Williams will always be the best composer of all time. And the way they plan to use the music is brilliant. Yes. So John Williams is, is the best of all time. Uh, no question, in my opinion. Um if we're talking about melodic um, progression and chamber orchestral melodic music, John Williams is the best. Um, I'm actually trying to go see him in concert next month. 
I'm trying really hard. I'm trying to save up to buy those tickets. Um, if I do, I will get to hear the Star Wars music live conducted by Senior Williams himself. That would be fantastic. Um, but yeah, m- the music was great. And Ludwig does a great job as well. Um, last thing I, I took a note on was um, the voice of Luke Skywalker, the voice of young Luke was 100% synthesized. No voice actor, not Mark Hamill. It was a AI. (laughs) It was 100% an automated voice. Now, AI voice synths are, is nothing new. There are uh, Japanese artists that are 100% fake and they are 100 percent uh voice synthesized and they're not even real voices but it sounds real but what makes this one so special is it was able to mimic mark hamill's younger self almost exactly similar to what he used to sound like that's where it gets different that's what makes it impressive that's what makes it scary (laughs) <laughs> again uh there's a lot of tech being used in just this one scene in itself and the voice is what was so shocking to me that's what really stood out to me at the end of this this episode was that voice that you hear is not mark hamill it's not a voice actor and it is not archived uh audio clips from previous episodes or star wars stories it is 100% a synthesized automated voice. We were listening to a robot at the end. I mean, he, granted, he doesn't say much, so it's hard for us to pick it apart, but that was the coolest part. I would love to see more on how that was digitally created. I, I think I think we could spend a little bit more time in these behind-the-scenes episodes going into the stuff that really shows us why the technology is being pushed um like the automated voice i find that stuff fascinating because that goes into the music realm uh music engineering things like that uh and uh you know we've seen it in the past before like i just said with uh japanese artists who are 100 digital artists and it's not even real voices they're synthesized voices so it's interesting to think about again the plo Koon face is creepy I hope this does not haunt me at night. Um, The Mandalorian gallery episode was great. I love watching Star Wars documentaries. Um, Mark Hamill is great. Grogu is great. George Lucas is the best of all time. Uh, That is really all I had to talk about today. I just wanted to hop on here, share my thoughts, because this is a great day. Oh, I forgot to mention, of course, Lego. Lego Star Wars games coming out in a year. Can't wait for that. Um, But we will be back on Sunday, the 29th, with a real episode of Han Talks First with a bunch of great things to talk about, potentially a guest. So look out for the announcement of who that will be. And thank you guys, those of you who joined us live, and for those of you who are listening on the audio platforms after 
words. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I hope you enjoyed this podcast and I hope you'll join us later on down the road. Subscribe if you are new and check out other great videos on the channel and follow, rate, and review the podcast on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, Overcast, etc., etc., etc. And now, my friends, somehow, someway, somewhere this week, may the force be with you. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. <laughs>